Welcome to Equip, tools for navigating real life. I want to welcome you to the Equip podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder, and we have with us today Kim Heineke on staff. But our main person today that we are so excited for you to hear is Sarah Rodriguez-Rhodes, best-selling author of From Depths We Rise. She is a popular blogger with over a million, rather millions of views uh, in her efforts. You can find her at Journey of Sarah. That's S-A-R-A-H dot com. So I have a question today before we move into this podcast for you. Are you giving yourself grace to grieve? Do you feel like your story is over? Do you feel like your kids will forever be damaged? Friend, you need to listen to what we have to say today. It is fantastic. I want to say before we move forward that if you enjoyed our podcast today, be sure to visit our website at ariseministries.net. There you'll see videos, articles, and podcasts specifically for single mothers and lots of tools for navigating real life. So with that being said, let's get started. Hi, Sarah. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's such a thrill to be here with you. It is. Well, it's a great honor for us to have you here. Many of us have known and heard about you for a long time. So, uh, moms, this is a big deal that Sarah's here with us. So you just, I want you to just sit back and and take it in. So, Sarah, let's just talk a little bit about uh, your story. And uh, can you share with us a little bit about your journey in being a widow? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to tell my stories as concisely as possible, but there's so many points, so I'll try to hit them all. But um, basically, the hard part of my story began when I was 32 years old, and that's when my husband, um, Joel Rodriguez, passed away from cancer. And that was a battle that we'd been battling for three years, and it kind of hit a crescendo um, after he had a surgery, and we were not expecting that to be the end. Um, so it was shocking um, to some degree. Um, that that happened, but when that happened in one moment, I became a widow and a single mom. My son Milo was um, one years old at that point. Um, And so, you know, so many different things and loss, we just look at it as, well, her husband died, and I'm like, well, so many things come with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just a singular loss, it's plural. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, in a moment, all of these things are happening and changing, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Um, Something that's really unique about our story was we had walked through a season of infertility and because of that, after my late husband passed away, I had embryos that were still remaining um, from our first round of IVF that we did. And after the loss of him, I had a decision as to what I was going to do with those embryos and I made the choice to implant them and just see what what happens, see what the plan was. Um, and it turns out that I became pregnant and I had a little baby girl named Ellis um, after the death of her father. It was about a year and a half later. Um, and that sounds like it's the perfect end to a redemptive story, but two weeks after that, she contracted bacterial meningitis and wound up in the hospital. We were given no chance for survival for her. Um, they told us that if she lived, she would be in a vegetative state. And oh so here we are in another situation. Uh, you know, I just faced this with her father a year and a half prior, 
and had to remove him from the vent and here I was having to do it again um, and miraculously she lived and she is now three years old um, she's, yeah. she's incredible she's such a fighter she still <laughs> has to go through you know physical therapies mm-hmm. and stuff and it's still a journey to recovery but she's the farthest thing from a vegetable she's so sassy and spunky and just the light <laughs> of our family like she runs the house yes she so, rules the roost she definitely does that's so awesome well you know what you mentioned it was so you were so you took another risk in having her as far as what if you lost her I mean mm-hmm. that was the big deal that you allowed yourself to be vulnerable to another loss mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I really even thought about it to that degree um Another part of the story was when Joel was in rehab, we had a conversation. He's like, we're going to have another baby and it's going to be a girl. And I was like, okay, you know, you know, looking at it from the outside, looking in, we would not have been able to do that. But after his death, I kept thinking about that conversation over and over again. And it just felt like there was this destiny and purpose and so once I got pregnant I knew from that moment it was going to be a girl and then when I found out you know four or five months later it was just like there's a plan and I actually even kept coming back to that when she was in the hospital on life support Mm -hmm. like this whole thing was a journey and God's hand was so on it and over it that there's it just seemed like there was no way that it could end that way. And um, it didn't. And he was able to use another devastating set of events just to bring tremendous glory to his name through our family. So That's awesome. That's, That's wonderful. Good. I love that. One thing I heard you say is that you were a really young mom when you became a widow. Mm-hmm. And so what kind, of, what kind of advice or wisdom would you give to young moms who may be walking through that mm-hmm. and they think, I'm never going to get married again or my life is over I'm, because the pain has to be so intense. I can't relate to that personally. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to young moms who are walking through widowhood and think, this is it for me, my life is over? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was walking through my journey at the very beginning, everybody would tell me, um, it's okay, you'll get remarried again, or you'll love again, and don't worry. And that really upset me because mm-hmm. it was negating, you know, the loss of Joelle. And I hadn't even fully grieved that yet. And I know that people mean well, don't, you know, hear me in that. <laughs> but um, I think it's it's human nature to just want to wrap a bow on it and say, okay, well, you'll love right. again. And so I kind of started being extremely resistant to that. No, I won't. I will not. I will not. You know, <laughs> don't tell me that. And people, actually, my friends got scared. Like, okay, that's like optimism. <laughs> yeah, leave Sarah. her alone. <laughs> yeah. But it was about year three that I started kind of feeling my heart kind of a little bit crack open, you know, to that thought. And I just feel like in life, whether it's anything, you can't be so afraid of pain that you're scared to allow joy and happiness in. Um, And so my heart just kind of cracked open and wouldn't you know, totally unexpected, right around that time, my high school sweetheart reenters my life and now four years later, he and I are married. Um, So I would have never seen that coming, Mm -hmm. but I've just learned like, hold your plans with an open fist and not a closed fist, you know, because you never know what God has in store and you never know, um, you know, he's always one to want to bring beauty to ashes and redemption. I mean, that's who he is. That's what he promises as we walk through pain that he'll redeem it. And I could have never imagined it being what it was, Mm -hmm. but that's why I'm so glad that I'm not authoring the story and that he is. That's beautiful. I love how you say that. I love you saying um, that it was about two years before you started to naturally feel like about three. Yeah. Oh, three. Mm-hmm. And and I know in our ministry we talk a lot about there needs to be a good amount of healthy time mm-hmm. that moms heal 
my story was that I would had been left, mm-hmm. and so for at least two years I didn't even think about mm-hmm. relationship with the man. So, and there's studies to show that that is a healthy amount of time. Absolutely. And so I, I really love that God kind of naturally built that into you, so mm-hmm. that you could heal mm-hmm. before He brought somebody else into mm-hmm. your life. So. Yeah, you know the danger of. Uh, whether you're a widow or single again or adopted child or whatever, of getting in a relationship too soon is you don't know what you're healing. You, you don't know what you're healing you, needs healing. Mm-hmm. And it takes you a while to just be able to walk through that before you're able to step into that. But what I want to ask you today is we have some widows listening today that are really in the initial stage of grief. And of course, that's the first, or first is denial and then it's grief. Let's go to the grief stage. Um, Talk to the mom about how to deal with the grief and where she can go for help. I mean, she's just let's just start there. What, what would you tell her? You certainly understand that. Well, the first thing I would say is that everybody's journey through grief is unique to them. Um, and I just always want to give people the grace to grieve how they grieve and for as long as they grieve because there's no formula. There's, you know, what may take one person one year can take another four years. I mean, there's so much grace in the journey just to navigate the here and now of where you are. Um, as far as resources, man, I mean, I wish that I had a lot more resources that I could <laughs> offer because that's what I get asked all the time is, did you read a book? And I'm like, I tried, but I just never really found one that I connected with. What I would say is, um, for me, I stayed in really tight community um, within my church um, family. Um, I was surrounded by good girlfriends who would take me out to dinner when they knew that I needed it or force me to you know, get dressed and just uh-huh. leave the house, you know. Um, I saw a counselor regularly once That's a good. week. Um, I tried to do group counseling, and that was not for me. For some people, it might be. For me, I needed that one-on-one. Um, I also, after about two years, I went to a place in Abilene, Texas called Gold Monarch Healing Center, and it's just a place where you can go and just receive in-depth counseling, mm-hmm. and they do a whole mind, body, soul you know, teach you how to take care of yourself because that's a part of grief too, is just getting out of bed, taking walks, getting out in the sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, just basic self-care. And for me, I would say that those were really the three components is just the one-on-one counseling, intensive counseling, and staying within community. That's excellent. That's awesome. How hard was it for you, um, and I know it is, how hard was it for you to go out or, or see couples together or holidays? I mean, it just goes on and on. How did you deal with that? It was horrible the first year. I won't lie. I won't sugarcoat it. The first year you have to go through all of these things that are just inducers of pain, the pain of Uh death. So the first time I went to a restaurant that he and I used to go to a lot, Mm -hmm. the first Christmas, his Mm -hmm. first birthday, and just navigating that first year and figuring out how I want to honor all of those things. Um, There's a lot of the first year that I don't even really remember. It's very patchy, lots of black holes. um, And that's kind of what your brain tends to do to protect itself as you're walking through trauma. Um, But that first year, to me, it's just about making it through the first year, you know, finding your new rhythm because everything's going to look different every holiday, every everything. Um, When I remember how hard it was even to go to church and see a couple with with the guy had his arm around. We just like how could he? Yes, he not know. I'm just like that's horrible, and everything seems like shame on him. I'm sitting right here. How dare they be happy? (laughs) (laughs) You know. But, um, yeah, it's just working through it. And eventually, like, the steam becomes less and less. The loss never goes away. You just learn how to navigate that pain with time. Right. Were you ever angry at God? 
Absolutely. And I think that anger, um, when you've walked through what my family walked through, is completely justified. Mm -hmm. And I love the thought of anger because it's a true emotion and it shows vulnerability mm-hmm. and that's what he wants he like he already knows our hearts anyways guys come on yeah so when we try to like pretend to be super christians or super whatever or not vulnerable like he sees right through it so yeah. for me i'm like i'm just gonna lay it out all out <laughs> on the table that's my personality too so i'm like i am ticked off at this this is unfair and i would tell him that all the time yes and he, like he's big enough to handle that mm-hmm. and i needed to release that so i definitely think that that's important. right so you don't feel like you were denying your faith just because you no. were angry at God. No, I mean, look at all the heroes of the Bible, and it talks about how Jacob wrestled with God. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody that we look at as these big-time superheroes, they were vulnerable, and they screwed up, and they were honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they were people after his own heart. And right. that's what it comes down to is, like, just being into intimacy. Like, that's what he wants, and intimacy is not phony. It's real. Mm-hmm. That's good. That is good. Um, talk about the ways that you saw God fill in the gaps of a husband. Like, h- how did you experience him as as a husband? Yes. I mean, it, it even comes down to just going to bed at night, and that was my hardest part of the day mm-hmm. because I was alone. Mm-hmm. And so I would just turn on worship music or just, like, pray and just talk to him and the really weird thing about it is, is that I miss in a lot of ways those moments because I was yes. so dependent on him. I was so dependent on him for my next breath. I was so dependent on him for my next need. I was not operating at any kind of self-sufficiency. It was complete and utter dependence on him. And I love the story of Job where he talks about, you know, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen. Exactly. And it was because he had walked through this valley of shadow of death and he comes out on the other side and he's like, I see you and know you in ways I yes. could have never in my lack. Like, that's where you met me and found me. So that's how it was in those moments. Like, I needed him for every breath. I yes. needed him in the moments where I was alone at night. And even sometimes it meant like him moving on my girlfriend's hearts to take me out for my anniversary and just spend that night with me one on one. I mean, any time I would feel sad about something coming up, it was like something would be provided for mm-hmm. me every time. And I just saw him so presently in those moments that I never felt alone. Yes. I do I, I do love that. I remember in my own journey as a single mom, mm-hmm. looking back, I remember those were the most intimate times yes. with the father mm-hmm. ever. Yes. Because <clears throat> he just was all those things that I desperately needed him to be. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a distraction of anybody else and I remember those days very fondly absolutely when you're alone and they're and you're at the bottom and I say this to single moms you're you might be at the bottom we'll just stay there for a little while because it's Mm -hmm. a sweet place to be make it a sweet place because God that's where we meet God and that's where things start to we start to feel his presence. Well, I would always say, like, I'm his favorite because widows, widows are his favorite and the okay. orphan. And we're, he talks about us. He and well, So we're his favorites. <laughs> so I feel really special right That's now. Right. <laughs> yeah, he does say orphans and widows. Yes, you say yes. widows, I know. Yes. And, you know, there is a special calling in the church to care for widows. And I know mm-hmm. you sense that. But, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about once you started moving out of the grief stage and we start moving into the transition stage because I, I know eventually we get there, which is an encouragement to you moms listen today God did something very special where you started writing your thoughts on paper and then eventually turned into this massive international phenomenon would you talk to them about how that started and what that did for you 
It, event, it actually started at the very beginning when my late husband was diagnosed with cancer. I just wanted a blog page where, because we were trying to call every relative for every diagnosis, and it was like a game of telephone. <laughs> like, the word was not getting spread correctly. So I just had this landing page of where I would talk about, you know, this doctor's appointment and so on and so forth. And then it just became this space where I would go and start sharing my heart vulnerably with what I was walking through. And it became so healing for me to have that space Mm -hmm. and that started in 2010 with his diagnosis and I've just kept on writing and kept on writing and it just grew and grew and grew and when my daughter was in the hospital it just I mean it it exploded it went viral her story was everywhere Um, and through that God brought the opportunity for me to write a book about our story and to be able to share it and it's just so funny like he was setting the stage and Uh I didn't even know it and it was just me having the space purely kind of for selfish purposes, really, if I'm being honest. But he was able to take just that consistency of, of writing and um, loving it and turn it into something so much more. Yes. Tell us the beautiful. title of your book and where, where people can find a copy of it. It's called From Depths We Rise. Um, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Mardell's, just anywhere books are sold. Well, I've read it, and it's excellent. It is totally excellent. It's so encouraging to see the hand of God moving through very, very one pain after another after another to where it starts to turn into something where he gets glory all of a sudden. And you're just like, wow, what happened in this story? Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, tell everyone where they can go to find your blog as well. I know we have it written, but in yes. case they're wanting to know. It's just journey. They want to find you, girl. Where, yes, where come, find find me. come find come me, find guys. You. Where can they find you? <laughs> it's journeyofsarah.com, Sarah with an H. Okay, that's a great place. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, um, about your advice for widows or moms out there that for their children how did how did of course milo was so young but let's say they have younger children and they're grieving and they can't pull it together and they're trying to be strong for their children what advice would you have for a a mom like that today I mean, one of the main things would be not to be afraid to ask for help, you know, because in that first year, I mean, you're in over your head. You're you're in a life situation you could have never pictured yourself in, and that's not the time to fake it, you know, fake it till you make it. I mean, you do to some degree, but it's not the time to pretend to be superwoman. If you need help, ask people for help. Mm -hmm. Um, It took a lot of people helping me in that first initial year, you know, just to get through. And I also, you know, as much as I tried to not be an emotional basket case around my son, I was very protective of not just spilling it all the time. But there were definite moments where I would tell him, I'm sad. You know, I miss your dad. I'm not going to pretend that I don't because I don't want him to grow up in life feeling like he has to shelve all of his feelings. Like I wanted him to feel, even at one years old, I wanted to set that foundation that it is okay for you to be open and honest about how you're feeling. And so that's what we talked about. And, you know, he's five now and he'll still tell me, you know, I miss this or I miss that or Mm -hmm. I'm sad about this or I'm mad about this. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, now at five, I'm like, hmm, why did I teach him that? That's kind of annoying. <laughs> but in all they reality, use it against you yes, yes. But in all reality, he's just somebody that's in touch with his feelings. And I feel like, had I missed that opportunity when sure. he was young sure. and pretended that everything was okay, it may have been a different, you know, outcome sure. for him. Does Joel remember? I mean, does Milo remember Joel? He doesn't have any memory of him um, besides what I tell him. And a widow gave me this advice early on, which was. 
so invaluable. She said, talk about his dad in a way that he feels like his dad could walk right back through the door. Like make his presence that common in your household. So we never made it a forbidden subject. Even in my remarriage, there are pictures of, you know, his dad around the house. It's, you know, he sleeps with, we call it his daddy doll. It's just this little doll and you can put a picture of somebody's face. Mm -hmm. So his dad's, you know, picture is in there and both my kids have pictures um, framed of him in their room. And so I tell him stories and when he does things that remind me of his dad, I'm like, you are so being your dad right now. You know, you're being so honored. That's all your dad and not me. Um, But so I like, you know, having that connection between him and his dad. And when he thinks, oh, well, you know, my dad did this and I'm doing that. Like, it's just those special nuggets that keep his dad alive in his heart. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Uh, What what, um, hope would you have for widows? I know they're going, can you just give me some hope? Tell me, give them some hope today. What hope would you offer to them today through your journey? The hope that I clung to is, I I say this all the time, just that he will bring beauty to our ashes. I mean, that's his promise. I always go back to when things look contrary to what he says, who does he say he is? And he says that he's good, and he says that he will bring beauty to our ashes, and he says that he will bring um, purpose to our pain. And so... In the darkest moments, I would say, it doesn't feel like it, but I know you're good. I know you're good. It doesn't feel like it, but I know you're good. And sometimes I would have to tell myself that a million times a day. Sometimes I, at one point, I had sticky notes of who Uh he said he was, and I stuck them on my bathroom mirror. And every morning I would wake up and I would say, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Out loud. Almost trying to convince myself. Yes. For me today. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I need you to be this. Like, show yourself faithful. Show me you are who you say you are. And he did, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And my life now is never what I would have imagined it. If I sat out and wrote wrote my story, it would have a lot less valleys and a lot more mountaintops. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) it's also amazing the story that has come out of this and the way that he's used it and the way, you know, the place that we're at now, I could have never imagined. And it's just because I held on to that hope Mm -hmm. that his goodness would prevail and that he would redeem what the enemy meant for harm Mm -hmm. and I held on to that in the darkness and now I'm seeing it four years later I'm living that out every day yeah you have such a beautiful story I think that's an excellent word for all single moms not just a widow yeah is to really focus on who God is and what the word says that he is Mm -hmm. because often moms feel like they're they kind of zero in on what they don't have. So that's a really beautiful word for all single moms. It is. But I love what you talked about, the character of God. Mm-hmm. You know, God, you say, I mean, just to just to think about his character, that he's faithful, he's good. We are not alone. You know, he sees, he cares, he loves. He will redeem this for good. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's so wonderful to think about his character. Mm-hmm. And God, even though I don't see it now, I choose to believe it even though I don't feel it. Right. It's not about the feelings. So talk to us about to the widows, the importance of community, the importance of church life. Um, at what part did that play in your life, and why would that be something these widows might want to consider for their for their lives, not only their lives, but their children? Mm-hmm. Definitely getting in community was hugely important to me and to my kids. Um, I remember in the very beginning when um, 
Joel was in the hospital, he had talked about wanting to get a place set for my son. And he he just kind of had held on to that place set. Like, I want Milo to have a place set. And he passed away before he... What do you mean a place set? Uh, just like one of those big wooden like swing set with oh, like okay. four... We call it a place. Jungle gym. Jungle, jungle gym. Yeah, okay. I thought like you meant like a place setting at the table. I'm like, no, oh, no, no. How sweet. <laughs> Joel's going to sit with y'all in spirit and eat with you. Like a jungle gym, so to speak. And he passed away before he got a chance to do that. And I told, you know, some of my girlfriends about that. And one Sunday morning, like 15 guys show up and they're in my backyard and they got this place set and they're all putting it together. And I just thought, what a portrait of just Mm -hmm. being Jesus, you know, and I got to tell my son, oh, I'll get teary just thinking about it. But like, this is what your dad wanted. And this is who God brought to like facilitate that. And so, and I could get, tell you stories on and on about, you know, they were praying for us 24 hours a day. They signed up for like one hour Mm. shifts and I mean, any need that we needed was met. And so community and just being a part of a group of people who will lift you up, um, it's its crucial. I don't know how I could have gotten through what I did without them. Yes. Well, people were praying for you. I didn't even, hadn't even met you and had read your story, and I was praying for you. So that's why it's such a thrill for me to see you today and, and see your beautiful face and the love of the Lord coming off of you and that God did. Uh, redeem it for good. And you know what, Joel? I mean, uh, Sarah, even if you hadn't remarried, right. God, and it doesn't have to do with marriage. That's not Mm-mm. the that's not the redeeming part. Mm-hmm. So I just, would you speak on that issue? Because yeah. they're thinking, God will bring me a husband, then I'll be redeemed in this. Would you speak about that issue? Yeah, I mean, I got to the point where, you know, I talk about that three-year mark where that was the turning point. My heart was open to love, but more so my heart was just open to possibility Mm -hmm. and I don't say that like my heart was open like well I'm ready for the husband now bring him in Lord it wasn't that it was just like I'm open to dreaming again I'm Mm -hmm. open to like however you want to use me and my family and our story I want purpose to come from this I don't care what it looks like um for me it looked like you know, remarriage, but for some people it may not be that way. And and that's okay. Um, but I just think being willing to be open to the possibility of what's next and allowing your heart to dream and not letting circumstances snuff out that light mm-hmm. and snuff out that part within us that was created to dream and to want more and to want bigger, but just keeping that open mm-hmm. is what's the most important thing. Right. That's so good. It is awesome. Um, I, you know, as far as being willing to dream again, Think about if you're not. Mm-hmm. What if you're not willing to dream again, and you're not willing to have community, and you're not willing to go to the Word of God, mm-hmm. and you're not willing to let go of the past and trust God, and you're not willing to let go of the bitterness? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what kind of what what would that look like as, as you yeah. move forward? Where would you be today if that was the stance you took? Because oh, you do goodness. have a choice; you mm-hmm. just chose not to. But yeah. some moms listening at this point feel like that's the only chance. That's the choice they have to make. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have a choice in how we respond to grief. And I would say grief not just in the loss of, you know, a spouse, but maybe just grief in how our life is currently. And it's yes. maybe not how we had planned it. And I feel like a lot of times when we experience that loss, we think that we need to stay in the same place um, and that that's how we somehow honor the life that we lost or the person yes. that we lost. Yes. But the real way that you honor loss is by taking it and using it and living bigger than you could have 
imagine living. Love it. And that, you know, it's so good. We and all it feels does. I know. And it honors, it honors loss. It honors, it honors death. You don't honor death by not living. You honor death by life. Mm-hmm. You honor death of dreams by living life, you know, more fully and presently. And so I, that would be my challenge to people is just that um, staying in one place, even though that's the safe route, it's never the best route. And it doesn't honor, you know, your story. Like honor at the very least, like respect yourself enough to honor your story and what can come from that because you just never know. That's you never know. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Can I ask a follow-up question sure. to that? So when you move forward through life and there's going to be other challenges, I mean, Lord willing, not to the same magnitude that you've gone through, mm-hmm. but there's going to be other things that are hard. How are you going to take what you have experienced how are you going to use that in your in your next challenge? Like, what's how's that going to shape you? How's that going to change your outlook toward mm-hmm. future difficult situations? Well, just really to be vulnerable, something that I wrestle with to this day is fear and not being afraid because I have walked through so many things that have happened that like the human part of me wants to think, oh, things are going too good. You know, uh-huh. something's going to happen. And that's kind of a way that you prepare yourself almost uh-huh. against yep. what could happen. Um but that's no way to live. And I tell myself every day and every day in my prayers, it's goodness and mercy will follow me. And I've seen him be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to count on his faithfulness mm-hmm. to increase and keep going. And his faithfulness and goodness, the best is yet to come. You yeah. know, that's the saying that our family, we just speak that over us every day. Like the best is yet to be, the best is yet to come. I'm expectant for what's going to come. That's I'm not going to live in fear that it could turn out to be another massive, horrible event. Like I'm just going to expect goodness mm-hmm. and expect that it comes to me. I love that. It's so good. It is. Uh, you preach it, sister. You just <laughs> preach it some more. You know, I, I just can't help but think when we think about the character of God, you remember, since you're expecting, and not to be afraid as you turn the corner, that he goes before us. And Absolutely. whenever you get there, he's already there. Mm-hmm. And was aware that this was coming. Nothing throws his office throws him off his throne to where he was not fully aware this was going to happen. He knew the day you married Joel this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He knew the day you know, you said I do, that this was going to be a part of your story and to give him glory. And he's given glory to, you know, millions of people, as we have talked about, which is, you know, certainly has encouraged me today. Um, If you had one last thing to say to our widows, if anything else is left on your heart that you haven't said or a parting word of courage and being brave and uh, whatever, what would you want to tell these ladies listening today? I think I would just tell them to keep going. I mean, it's so simple, but you're going to wake up some mornings and feel like you can't, and that's when his strength is just made so perfect in your weakness. You know, you're going to want to stop. You're going to want. You're going to feel like it's too much. You're right. It is too much. Mm-hmm. What I've walked through is too much for anyone to handle. It's too much for me to handle on my own strength, but that's when, like, if you're seeing me be strong, it's because of his strength within me. It's not because of anything that I've done. It's not a formula that I can tell you. It's just being fully reliant on who he is. And so just keep going every day. Trust in his character. Trust that he has a plan and he's weaving it even in the most difficult moments. And trust that he's going to bring purpose to what you've walked through in ways that are you could have never anticipated. And so that's the hope to just keep alive in your heart, be it ever so small. Some days it'll it'll start. you'll start to feel it growing and and then other days it'll start to feel small. Mm-hmm. Keep going through that um, and just keep that expectancy because I can promise you that he is writing a story better than you could have ever written for yourself. 
That's just beautiful. That's excellent. That's ox- excellent. I loved hearing your story. I know. I know all the details of it. Amazing. I know. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. And uh, we hope you can go back and listen to this again and again, as I know I will. And uh, we love you, single moms. And uh, But you know what? God loves you more. So with that being said, we'll close this out. And Sarah, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to an Equip podcast. To find out more about Arise Ministries or resources offered for single moms, visit www.ariseministries.net.